welcome to the first of the Ask Logical video series. I uh, hope you enjoy them. Uh, this is a bit of an experiment. I don't think anyone does this on the internet, um, answering people's training, education, assessment type questions. Um, so I am looking forward to your feedback on how to provide a better service. Um, please pass the information around. Uh, get other trainers involved. Tell them the address where to find it uh, so that more people can share this information. Uh, which will also help me because then hopefully I'll get uh, more and more questions um, things that I can obviously research and then answer uh, obviously at times I might not be able to answer all of the uh, questions um, and I hope to actually draw upon you uh, the audience to actually answer some of those um, maybe actually even get you on video um, please subscribe to the blog that's where I update uh, everything that I'm currently doing including the training tips 5-6 uh, series um, and obviously when the next one of these is coming out, which should be basically every fortnight um, on a Thursday night. Um, and the big thing is obviously ask questions. Um, ask any sort of questions related to the sort of training, learning, teaching, assessing type area. Um, doesn't matter how small they are, how complex they are. Sometimes I might not be able to cover the whole thing in one show, but I might be able to um, stage it over a number of shows. So let's move on to the questions for today's show. Okay, so the first question for today is from Stuart. Uh, it's in regards to assessment pathways and how that relates to uh, terms like recognition of prior learning and recognition of current competency. Um, let's just have a quick look at the terms to start with. So we do have RPL, recognition of prior learning, RCC, recognition of current competency, credit transfer, um, overseas qualification assessment, and assessment pathway only. Um, essentially, all the same thing. Uh, that's pretty confusing when you really think about it. Why do we have all these terms? Uh, I think it's basically a product of uh, the Australian system, in particular the fact that we have a different system in each state. Each of these states has then tried to define each of these parts slightly uh, or their own way, and hence we've ended up with a whole range of different definitions. Bring it to a national level, um, they've tried to combine all of these terms, um, define each one, and what you've actually ended up with is, is reasonable um, sort of definitions, but essentially they are the same sort of thing, and in fact, because there's so many definitions out there, there's a lot of confusion, um, and it's quite difficult at times to figure out exactly why you're doing a certain thing and what it's about. Um, let's quickly define some of these terms, or at least I will. Um, recognition prior learning, RPL probably the most used and confused um, definition or sorry term in the Australian um, training setup. Uh, put that into the Google search engine you're going to get about two million hits and each one of them slightly different in how they explain what it is or what the process is. Essentially look at the words recognition of prior learning. Interesting here that uh, training.com.au which is our premier Australian site um, defines this as recognition of non-formal and informal learning. Now personally I don't understand what the difference between those two is either. Um, essentially they are the same thing. But if you ask most trainers, recognition of prior learning is recognition of qualifications, learning, um, things that you've done in the past, uh, certificates, pieces of paper, qualifications etc that you have any evidence of uh, products of work, all of these things would be used in a recognition of prior learning process. 
Um, as you already probably know, if you've seen some of my videos, read my blog, you'll know that I've got a bit of a problem with recognition of prior learning because it is prior. Um, it is old. And in other words, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are current in your competency. It means you were prior. Um, you were competent. Um, now, we still have to use that in Australia. It, it's um, a requirement of all RTAs that provide a recognition of prior learning service. Um, and I still think it is useful. But if I use the simple analogy of driving a car, if you learned how to drive a car five years ago, um, maybe you drove it once or twice, but you didn't really drive for a variety of reasons, and I go to give you an assessment now, are you still competent? Uh, the reality, you probably aren't. You've probably forgotten a lot of the rules. Your skills probably aren't quite the same. And the fact that you haven't been driving all that much means that even things like steering might be a little bit uncomfortable. So you're not competent. So recognition of what you did have in the past there is actually not that relevant. Which brings up the term recognition of current competency. Um, definitions of this though are actually slightly misleading. Uh, what they actually say here is it's um, determining that a person is current at the moment in a particular qualification. For example, a first aid certificate. Is that person actually still current? Um, and quite often that uh, follows a sort of either an assessment or some training program and yes currency is achieved again. Uh, to me though recognition of current, current competency is what RPL should be. In other words you can provide all the evidence uh, that you currently have such as products of your work, um, even qualifications and things like that and what I'm assessing now is whether you're current in your competency now not how you were uh, competent uh, a while ago or a couple of years ago. So recognition of current competency current competency now. Uh, credit transfer is simply just matching up different uh, units, for example a unit of competency with um, a, basically a training program or a university course. Um, and when they match, in other words the criteria and the outcomes etc equal, then you actually get a credit transfer. So you can move one qualification to the next. Um, overseas qualifications, uh, obviously very important for people coming into the country with, uh, for example, trade skills, that we have a process where we can recognise whether a plumber in Iran is the same as a plumber here in Australia. And there is a government department for that who actually assesses people's qualifications from overseas and matches, matches them or doesn't match them to qualifications that we have here. Uh, and the last one, which is where Stuart's question was really aimed at, assessment only pathway. Now this is a strange sort of process when you get down to it because essentially what we're saying here and most of the definitions agree with this is that if a person wanted to achieve a certain unit of competency then they may not attend a training session and they may actually not do assignments etc. They may actually just attempt a certain assessment to achieve that competency. So the assessment only pathway. Now. I don't know why we have this term because essentially recognition of prior learning is this assessment only pathway. Uh, if you come to me and say, look, I've got a, a trade certificate in this particular area, a couple of units of competency from here, I've got some product of, um, of my sort of work that I currently do, I've got some supervisor reports, I've got a video of me doing the job, all of that is evidence which you could then achieve competency in, say, a particular unit. Um, why do I need to do an assessment only pathway? What's the purpose of that term? Um, I guess maybe it spells out to people that yes, you can go straight to assessment without training, but so is recognition of prior learning, so is recognition of current competency, and so is credit transfer. 
So, the five terms, essentially the same thing. What we're really talking about is recognition. Uh, any of those terms, regardless of how they're used or when they're used, is all about measuring evidence against criteria. If the evidence stacks up to the criteria, then that person is said to be competent. Um, and it doesn't matter which one you use. Uh, I know you probably will have to use these terms the correct way, but in reality, uh, if you're doing recognition, that's the job of the assessor, measuring evidence against criteria and determining at some point whether the person is competent or not yet competent. So the second question, uh, which comes from Gabrielle, is how do I deal with resistance in the training room? Now, look, any training room is going to have some resistance. Uh, Learning is change, change equals resistance. Uh, even in the, the best learner, there's some sort of reluctance and resistance. But I guess what we're talking about here is where we get high levels of resistance to the point that, one, they probably don't want to be there, mm -hmm. they're extremely resistant to learning, um, to the point that they may not be listening, uh, going to sleep, etc., ignoring you, and in fact maybe even arguing and debating with you. Um, Let's break this into three parts, because I think the important thing here is that there are three different aspects on how to um, encounter um, or how to deal with uh, resistance in the training room. The first part, the trainer, you. Uh, what is your attitude and behaviour like? Are you actually adding to the resistance in the actual training room, or are you smoothing over it? Uh, are you making people feel more comfortable? Uh, a lot of trainers, just by even their stance and their personality, uh, their looks, even their dress, can actually make the resistance worse. So be aware of all those things. Be aware of the audience. Um, you're probably, hopefully, picking up the fact that they are resistant. Then you need to actually think about why. Um, you should have done this actually before you walked in the room, but start to think about why might they be resistant. What sort of things are you changing in their work? What sort of things are you trying to get them to do that maybe they don't like? And why don't they like it? Um, you need to actually think about this and you should in fact actually talk about this with the audience at some point, particularly during coffee breaks and things and trying to get an understanding of why they're apprehensive, reluctant, frustrated, etc. Maybe there's a long history of this and actually chatting to them can get down to the root causes. Always think about what they see and feel. Um, that's the important point here. Forget about what you've been told by management, forget about um, what you think you need to train, the outcomes, etc. They come first. If the learners aren't with you, then basically the program isn't going to work. Um, humour and flexibility are an enormous um, factor in this. Good sense of humour, um, the ability to have a bit of fun um, with them, um, basically even with even some of the most tense moments, having a bit of a joke, uh, all very important. Um, don't engage in the debate. Uh, that's probably the worst thing that you can do. Uh, when you've got the crowd against you, if you start engaging in the debate, arguing the point, um, making big issues about what management can do and what they can't do, then you're just building up a series of brick walls that are very hard to break down. Uh, and I guess added to that, don't lose your cool. Uh, it, it's very easy to do it and at times you get extremely frustrated, but as soon as you do that, you've just opened up a huge chasm for particularly the big troublemakers to actually come storming in. Um, so remain calm, remember it's a job, remember what you're there to do, try to understand um, and try to use a range of your own sort of strategies to um, eliminate possibly 
or alleviate some of that resistance. You'll probably never get rid of it completely, but you can reduce it. The second part of this question is analyze the audience and the group. Um, be prepared. In other words, you should have done your homework before you actually walked into this training room. Um, now, that might have come from the training needs analysis, uh, some of the actual results there about the individuals, the work they do, the sort of personalities, the level of skill, level of knowledge, etc. Um, find out as much as you can. Um, plan for the resistance. Uh, in most cases, if you're honest about it, you actually know they're going to be resistant, uh, particularly if large-scale changes are being brought in. Now, basically what that means is that you can then plan an effective program. If you're designing the program, even better. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of little tips on how to plan a program. Uh, I've had a fair bit of experience in this that can reduce the actual resistance to the point that people get on with the learning. Even though they may not have lost it completely, they will want to learn, they will want to try some of these changes out, and hopefully what they will then do is implement some of those. So the first thing is start with a fun activity. Um, a good icebreaker gets them talking, not about the program, not about work, about themselves, about each other. Um, a good introductory sort of um, introducing each other type thing. Um, the second thing after that is get straight into it. Uh, don't muck around, um, don't sort of try to trick people if that's not what you're there for. Straight into what you're going to learn, what's going to happen, and just as importantly, what the benefits are. And if you can, if the group is okay with that, get them to try to come up with the benefits of actually making these changes. They'll be pretty negative, most, most likely, but you'll have a few people there who will be positive, they'll express some benefits, and we're actually starting then to move more towards a positive side. Um, from there, uh, basically remember not to engage in that debate. Um, that's a really important point. The, all of that aggro is going to come up initially at the start, particularly when you start talking about what they're going to learn. So when you start to get some of that um, resistance, and very vocal resistance at times, don't engage in it. Just remind people what you're there for, what they're there for, um, and that we will move on to that as soon as possible. Next big trick is, as quickly as possible, and this might only be a few minutes after we actually started the training session, the intro, and what we're here for, activity, activity, activity. Just keep piling into group activities, individual activities, pair activities, keep things moving, and make it fun. Um, make these activities reflective, fun, analytical, and to the point that people are actually so busy, so engaged, so moving forward quickly, that they actually don't really get that much time to think about why am I here and I don't want to be here. Um, so keep them busy. Um, introduce some competition at some point, depending on the length of the training program obviously, but some sort of thing where they're working in teams with points. Now, the idea here is the competition deflects again this thinking about the resistance, um, thinking about the change. So build in the competition, but the competition has a point in that each of the little competitions that we're doing also equal some of the changes that are needed so people actually will carry out the competition activity get the right answers for example which actually means they're actually learning but some of those answers are actually bringing them around to this is what I need to do um, and they're being rewarded for it um, winning uh, in their team or individuals or pairs for whatever plenty of reflection activities get people to understand what they're thinking and how it looks from another perspective, for example, from the management perspective, from the customer's perspective. One of the classics here is the old customer service um, activity. 
where you get people to talk about bad experiences with customer service and then you actually list up exactly what bad service equals and the sort of things that they've talked about and then you ask them, I mean, have you ever done any of those? Most people, if they're honest, would admit yes, you know, I've let a customer down, I've promised something that I couldn't do, etc. And people start to realise that I felt really bad when someone did that to me, I've done it to other customers, that's not a good thing, I think I need to change how I um, manage my customers. Uh, establish activities that you, they need to do in the workplace uh, and make sure that they start to take some of that learning into the workplace with little bits of homework, for example, uh, that they need to do, which actually get them to think about the changes that they're trying to bring in and some of the things they should be doing. And coaching. Really important with highly resistant groups, if you can do it. Uh, the key here is good coaches, though. Make sure you've got good coaches in the workplace who help them transition through, I don't want to do this to, yes, I want to make some changes to, I really want to do this job this new way. Now, the next part of this is, is the most difficult part. Um, this is if you have no idea who the group is. Um, you basically come in, met them, copped a wave of resistance, um, and uh, basically you have to deal with it. Now, everything I've mentioned up to now, you can actually try. And if you've got a good program, you can um, bend it around to actually include some of the activities and things that I talked about. Um, key thing, though, is unknown group, unknown resistance, which you're surprised about, first thing is stop and discuss the issues. Don't persevere with the arguments or the, you know, the, the looks of disgust and frustration, etc. But stop and say, look, what's wrong? What is the issue? Discuss this, and a good idea is to write it up, whiteboard, flip chart, um, so that everyone can see the points. If there's things you can answer based on uh, what you've talked about with management or the program, then answer them answer them honestly and transparently. Um, if you can't answer, don't answer. In other words, um, I just don't know enough about that, but I will go out and find the answer. And the key thing here for your integrity is, yes, go back, find the answers, and bring that back into the next training session. If there's no training session, make sure you email it to people so that they actually know. Um, those questions must be answered at some point, those issues must be dealt with at some management type of level and you are the conduit for that. Um, reinforce the concept that whinging isn't going to help. Uh, a very simple concept here is that we could whinge all we really want to but we're not going to change the new face of the company, we're not going to change this process that management has implemented, so what we can do is think about what we can do to get the best out of it for ourselves. What can we do here that can enhance our job, our job satisfaction? Again, getting the groups to generate some of the ideas, some of the benefits, how some of this could actually help them. Um, what you generally find is there's a lot of things they don't really like about their job the way it currently is, and hence, by getting them to generate the ideas, the benefits that could come from changing some things, they might actually see this as a huge sort of benefit um, and then you start moving people along this path. Um, express the benefits all the way through. It's very important. So any new thing you're introducing, the concepts, you might just ask a simple question, why are we doing this? What's the point? And hopefully you'll have a couple of people who, who will be positive and say, well, if we did that, then this might happen. Um, if I do it this way, then this could occur. Um, hopefully if you keep that up, what people all start to do is they get into a bit of a pattern of 
looking at something and, and judging it and then essentially saying, yes, this is a good thing, I could actually get something. They won't be deliriously happy with it, not, not with everything that you've got to say, but um, there should be some sort of movement towards the positive for the overall group. Fun and activity again, uh, always very important. Um, don't start lecturing people about things if they're already highly resistant. Listening to you drone on and on about something um, for an hour without any activity is basically just going to increase the resistance and frustration. So activities and activities. Um, while they're doing an activity, start thinking of what another activity is. Um, this is your planning time. If you have to change the whole program, if they only learn one thing, then that's more important than trying to battle through a whole program that isn't going to work. Park issues as they arise. So if anything comes up um, throughout the day and it keeps sort of appearing all the time, write that up on your list, get an answer um, from management and feed that back to the group. And I guess the last one, most difficult one for most trainers to deal with, is the real problem people. Uh, there's a couple of things you can do here, and I might talk about this at a later date because there's a whole sort of body of work on this area, but let's just deal with the extremes. Um, the real troublemaker who's really not going to stop, who's really disrupting the group, and just their sheer presence is actually bringing things down. Get rid of them. Um, you can ask, probably what I would normally do is in around about that first break or even have an early break, is uh, go up to that person and say, look, you're really disrupting this you're not making my job easy and, every, and you're actually bringing everyone down. Um, you have a choice of either staying and stopping it or leaving. Um, now, what you actually find is most of them don't leave. Uh, most of them quieten down. They're a bit embarrassed by the fact that they've been asked to leave. And who wants to be sent back to work? Um, some will leave. Fine. If that saves the basically the, the main body of the group and makes the training a better thing, then losing one is not too bad. Um, the other extreme, I guess, is some of the other, other people who are sort of troublemakers and stirring things up in the background, making sort of you know, bad jokes, um, always arguing some sort of point, uh, being very negative. Uh, same thing goes with them. Really, you need to have a chat to them. Um, work on a range of different sort of strategies based on how or what they're doing. And you can, over a period of time, wear them down. Surround them with positive people too. There's always somebody in the group, if not a couple of them, who are very positive, who will always help you out. Look at them, target them, get more feedback from them. Don't spend your time dealing with the negative people um, because that just puts a spotlight on them. Okay, so quick wrap-up. Um, two questions today. One was assessment-only pathways and its connection to other forms of recognition. Key summary there, I would say, is that all of those terms are recognition. Uh, it's just the purpose that we're actually um, we're carrying out. And really, at the end of the day, it, any of those things is looking at evidence stacked against criteria. And at some point, we make a judgment call on whether it's competent or not yet competent. Uh, the second question, resistance in a group, uh, in a training program. Uh, the three key things. One, is it you, the trainer? And what can you do as a trainer to change this? Second factor is the actual program design and knowing the group. If you know they're a resistant group, then design a better program around it. And the third one is the group that you didn't know was going to be resistant, you didn't have a chance to do any of the analysis, um, then you will need to deal with that group fairly quickly. In other words, get to the core of the issues, talk about them and understand them, park them on the side, and then move into training. Changing that training if you have to, to get a positive result. 
Okay, uh, next uh, next one of these uh, videos, number two, um, will be published on the 4th of March. Please check the blog and subscribe so that you keep up to date with anything else that I'm um, providing at any time. Watch the Training Tips 5-6 series, uh, 56 seconds, very short, lots of information and I'm um, shooting a couple of those at the moment that, which look very good. Um, please ask questions. Uh, this whole video works on the fact that you're asking questions and hopefully I'm providing good answers. So start asking questions, start thinking about the things that you want to know more about. Pass the information on to other people so that they can too uh, can watch the videos but also ask the questions they want to ask. Um, comment on the actual um, video. So after you've watched it you might add your comments or your own information in. And please provide feedback on the actual videos, the sort of things you might want to see, the different sort of formats, etc. If you've got any ideas. Um, and to close, good training and have some fun.